My name is Adele Burke, and I'm the Associate Director for Championships and Compliance at the New England Small College Athletic Conference, which is a D3 conference. I started uh, my, my athletics career path, I guess, um, as an undergraduate student uh, working in a sports information office. Definitely was not my first career choice. I was actually a teacher for a little while. Decided that was not the path for me and quickly deviated. I worked at uh, SUNY Oswego or Oswego State um, for four years after I completed my graduate assistantship at my alma mater, uh, Gustavus Adolphus in Minnesota, part of the Tim Kennedy sports information tree. And after four years at Oswego, I have to admit was definitely burned out um, for a lot of reasons. And I thought to myself, if I'm going to stay in this profession, I need to make a change. And the director of media relations position opened up here at the NUSCAC and I submitted my application, took a stab for it and got it. And three years into that, I got elevated to the current position I'm in. So um, that's the short story. <laughs> um, circling back uh, to your introduction, what made you transition from being a school teacher to working in sports athletic or collegiate athletic communications? I mean, that's a complete 180, might I say. Isn't it? Isn't at the same time, actually. Um, and I think a lot of it is due in part to the sports information office I came from. Again, um, you know, I was a student for four years. I was a work study student, so I was working 20 hours a week. Whether I wanted to admit it or not, I was learning something. <laughs> um, it was going to happen. And so I, you know, kind of was told offhandedly, um, TK, as he's known, uh, would ask, are you sure you don't want to do this job? Like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm great. I'll, I want to be a teacher. And he's like, I don't know about that. I'm like, no, I'm good. He goes, we'll see. So I taught for... Let's see. So my first teaching job was as a ninth grade physical science and environmental science teacher. My degree is in math, not science. So I had to learn how to teach the periodic table and oxidation numbers and all of that kind of stuff um, to, to teach ninth graders. I actually understand it much more now than I did when I was in junior in high school. And then I taught, took a different job and taught uh, pre-calculus and algebra two uh, to seniors and ninth graders. And in that process, I just realized like it was not for me. I just did not like it. And so I asked TK, I go, hey, can I take your graduate assistant job when you, you know, when it becomes open again? And I did that. Um, in the year it took me to wait, I worked at Victoria's Secret for a year in the back room and also waitress did Applebee's. So I was working 60 to 80 hours a week um, so I could save money for grad school. And grad school came along, did that. And I guess you could say the rest is history, but because of the nature of my job at Gustavus, I, the head inform, sports information job I took at Oswego I had 20 students working for me and about at any point 
three to five interns, I was teaching. It just wasn't in a, a traditional setting. So I, I put my teaching degree to use every single day um, when I was in that job. And I still use it now as I work with SAC students and um, coaches and administrators and all of that. So I still, still use my teaching degree every day. Most definitely. Um, I might say that, you know, that year working at Applebee's and Victoria's Secret was humbling. And then you transitioned into being a, a GA. Um, what was that position like? And uh, how refreshing was it to be doing something that you wanted to do versus that whole previous year? It was definitely kind of a breath of fresh air because not only was it something I had wanted to do for um, at least one year, it was more like two. Cause I, like I said, I realized quickly that I didn't want to teach. And so I finished out the year. Um, I wasn't going to just quit up and quit. And by the time I, you know, got to be a GA, I was taking full-time master's classes and, um, you know, working my butt off as the number two in the office. So there were a lot of long hours and balancing time management was pretty critical, but, uh, TK always said, hey, whenever you have class, you got to go to class. If you need time to study or, you know, get a project done, just let me know. We'll figure it out. Uh, but it was definitely like jumping right in. And because of the fact that I had such an extensive undergraduate experience, it wasn't like I had to learn everything from scratch. So I was able to have a little bit more thrown at me pretty early on. But boy, did he destroy my writing holy cow, so many red marks, so many red marks on so much of my writing. <laughs> that was humbling, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody working in athletic communications or as sports writers or whatever job they have that requires a lot of writing definitely had their time where, you know, an editor or their boss had a lot of corrections for them. So that's definitely a humbling time, but it it all works out in the long run. Absolutely. So transitioning to Oswego State, you mentioned having burnout after three years there. Um, what was it like working in that athletic communications office in a bigger capacity than your GA role? Um, you know, it's it's just like any Division three job, um, or at, or at least at that time what was a lot of like a lot of division three jobs. It's, you know, a lot of one person shops and you, um, you need to figure out how you can cover everything. And so, um, you know, kind of the first two years was getting my feet wet, uh, figuring out, you know, what my system was going to be, got it figured out. Year three came, I was like, Oh, I got it down. I've got this nailed. And then year four, um, we had some uh, staffing changes and I needed to take on some more administrative responsibilities and it just got to be a lot. And, um, you know, I'm not afraid of hard work by any means. I mean, we're in college athletics. <laughs> so, um, but part of the thing that kind of came into that was uh, in addition to burnout, like I gained like 40 to 50 pounds. I, so I was not really a happy individual and, and that was kind of when I realized I needed to make a change. I did not 
um, like the person I was becoming. Um, I was kind of becoming mean and I'm not a mean person. Um, out East, I'm really the definition of Minnesota nice <laughs> to most people. <laughs> um, getting a little bit of mass hole in there every now and then now, but I think that, uh, you know, it was just one of those, I just was able to recognize in myself that I was becoming a person I didn't want to be. And I knew I needed to make a change. So I think there was a little bit of self-awareness there to kind of see like, okay, I want to stay in the profession, but how can I make that happen? Most definitely, most definitely. And then you leave to go to the New England Small College Athletic Conference. Um, what are some differences in working with a specific D3 school versus working in the conference office? Very first thing, very first thing. I will never, I would never, ever, ever, ever complain about player of the week selections. <laughs> it was extremely stressful. I would agonize over those picks and just try to be like, oh no, oh no, what's, what if I do this? Oh, is that right? Ooh. And, and the, just the stress of that. Um, I know people will laugh at that and say that, why did you stress over that? But until you're in that seat, you don't really know. Um, <laughs> in general, definitely a lot of work, but the work shifted. Um, not necessarily like the everyday kind of like, okay, I need to get this program done. I need to get this um, graphic ready for Instagram. It wasn't that kind of day to day. But when like postseason comes, oh my gosh, you are going 180 miles an hour for all sorts of things, whether it's championships, postseason awards, that sort of thing. So the work just takes a different shape um, at a conference office compared to an institution. So I definitely have a greater, it did not take long to get a greater appreciation for what um, conference offices do. Most definitely, you know, with a specific college, you know, once your team is out of the postseason, you know, work's done. Whereas college, exactly, stick out, stick it out through the whole thing. Well, I, yeah, I mean, between conference play, between NCAA's, uh, as as people will ask me, like, oh, who are you rooting for? I go, they're all my teams in the conference office, and that's quite a literal statement. <laughs> Until the last one is done, I'm in. So um, that was also a little bit of a shift for me um, to be like, okay, I am in here till the bitter end of every sport championship that my teams are in. So, and I think a lot of us, um, not just with postseason, but with crossover season, when you got football season still finishing up, basketball season starting, or in the spring when you got basketball season finishing up, and baseball, softball. Uh, depending on the school, soccer, track, all those starting up. Absolutely. And, and we have, we have um, 27 sports. So um, our crossover season is a little unique um, in terms of the sports that we have. Uh, you know, as I like to say, you know, the fall, the fall championship season is like probably a 400 to 800 meter dash. It's about 10 days of 10 to 
two, 10 days to two weeks of really awful. Um, and then, or sorry, go back. It's really a sprint. It's the, it's like the hundred meter dash, 200 meter dash. The winter is more like a marathon because our championships typically start in the beginning of February with squash. And mm-hmm. we go every weekend through until hockey, which is the first weekend in March. So that's a championship every single weekend, at least one. And then in the spring, then it's about two weeks, two to two weeks, three weekends um, of spring, which I would compare to more accurately to the 400 to 800. And in the spring, we have 12, 12 championships in three weekends. So there's a lot going on. (laughs) It it gives me a little bit of headache just thinking about all that going on at the same time. Um, Tracing back to last summer, you were promoted from uh, media relations director to associate director for championships and compliance. Not quite. So the, the way the time frame worked was um, six years ago, I moved to assistant director of championships and compliance. Okay. And then this past summer, I was elevated to associate. Um, we'll go from there. Um, in, is there a follow up question to that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. What um, what was that transition like? And um, how many more duties were changed or added on? Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily that things were added when that when that initial change was made. So our office is very small. We have three people. Um, and so, you know, when we would talk about championships, I'm very much um, I'm very observant. And so I would watch and listen to a lot of things as we would talk about championships or talk about other conference business in our office. And that was one of those things where I just really soaked up as much as I could. And when the time came, the person who was um, sitting in my seat now, um, when she decided to change jobs, you know, I kind of asked, I go, Hey, I would really like a chance to do this role, uh, seeing that, seeing what those responsibilities included. And so even though, you know, I got out of media relations, uh, very much still kind of have my feet in it because, you know, again, working in a three person office, um, I do do some media relations every now and then when I'm absolutely required to, I am not the most proficient at social media. Um, it's kind of a running joke in our office how bad I actually am at it, given what my role was not that long ago. But it was uh, definitely kind of learning more strategic planning, uh, strategic vision, and uh, really just getting to know more in the more of the ins and outs of administration at that time. So, and still learning, to be perfectly honest. So. And I think with every job, you know, you're always learning something new. You're always trying to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is there any other any other thoughts or things you'd like to share about your experience in athletic communications? Um, yeah, I think the one thing I would want to say, and especially since 
I've, I've been a member of the DNI committee for a very long time now at this point is really the importance of finding advocates and encouraging people to serve as advocates. When I, again, you know, I talked about Tim Kennedy or TK as everybody in Minnesota knows him as, is if it wasn't for him, I would not be in this job. And, and not only would I not be in this job, he, he really pushed me as a GA to, to say like, hey, you should be a head sports information director right out of, right out of the, this GA job you know, given your skills, given all that, he really pushed me to say, hey, you can do this. Probably he had more confidence in myself than I did for sure, without a doubt. And so, you know, to really have people acknowledge and recognize when there are people in your office or people that work for you that have talent, um, really, really, advocate for them, especially if they're in an underrepresented population. Um, I know that, especially my first year at Oswego, like it or not, I had to prove that I knew what I was doing as a female. It, it was what it was like, you know, and it wasn't until I got battle tested in a couple ways <laughs> that um, some people finally recognized like, oh, she really does actually understand sports. It's like, Yes, I wouldn't have applied for this job if I didn't think I could do it. So I think that's one of those things, again, the importance of advocates um, to be able to push for people to really say, hey, you, you know, reaching out to contacts and saying, hey, can you, I think you should push, push this person's resume towards the top or at least push them into the next round of the interview. Obviously, I still had to nail the interview. That, that was on me. But to be able to really kind of um, have people, you know, really work for that. And so I will, I'll forever be thankful for having him as a strong advocate. Um, and as a result, you know, even when I became a sports information director on my own, it was really like same thing, watching for those people. And, and now even still too, I'll watch for, you know, people who I think would be, who are good assistant coaches who I think will be phenomenal head coaches or good administrators and be like, Ooh, you're, you know, and make, and go out of my way to tell people like, Hey, you did a really great job on this. Thank you. Or, um, you know, Hey, here's something I noticed, just something to, you know, pick up on in the future. I think that that's really important. And so, you know, in many ways being an advocate is also comparable to being an ally. And so I think that that's really important for people to, uh, be able to take up the, um, you know, take up a banner on and say, Hey, I'm going to really try to help these, help people out that I recognize as being really good at what they do. Um, if they, if they, you, th if anybody thinks that they may have, you know, could use a little help along the way. Couldn't agree more. Um, and I guess that brings me to my last question, which is what advice do you have to any women and minorities trying to enter the collegiate athletic communications industry? Couple things. Number one, volunteer. Um, especially if you're just trying to get your foot in the door. 
volunteer. No, no volunteer job is too big, too small. Uh, you never know what networking connection you're going to make at any point. You, the athletics world is way too small <laughs> to, uh, to not take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, the second thing is uh, no, no job is beneath you in terms of what someone asks you to do. Um, I think a lot of people think, oh, this is, I should be doing this or I should be doing that um, is one of those, you know, show that you can excel in the, in the role that you're in and really, really, um, or one of the ways to put it is grow where you're planted and really show people that you will excel and you have in, you will take pride in the roles that you currently have. I think the other part of it is, is, you know, really kind of work towards finding allies and advocates. Um, you know, again, you can't underestimate, can't underestimate how much people can help. And so again, flip side, be an advocate and be an ally. I think that that's also really important. And I think it's also important to get as many skills as you possibly can. You have no idea <laughs> what, what job descriptions are going to look like in the future. Uh, soak up as much knowledge as you can in, and excel in those areas. I guess that would probably be the best advice I could give maybe. All right, well, that's all I have for you. Um, thank you for joining me on uh, this month's episode of Through My Lens. You're welcome.